0: Hey, hey Jordan, what's up? Uh, hey Rob, you know, just hanging out. Cool. Yeah, cool. Just, yeah. yeah. Same. I was actually just um I'm glad I I caught you here because I'm I'm just looking for Ken. I've been kind of walking around the office. I checked the storage closet. Uh, he's not there. I wanted to ask him about something. Do you have any idea where Ken is right now because I did I had something uh, that I wanted to go over with him.
1: No, I um I don't I don't know where he is so uh I was kind of hoping you wouldn't bring this up but um a couple days ago um was the last time I heard from him um okay he, he was hanging out with some fishermen in uh, Venezuela for just something I, I asked him to do um just a little side project I thought could be fun um but you know have not haven't heard from him since I was hoping maybe you two had been in touch. You're saying you haven't heard from him?
0: No, no. I mean, I'm aware of the the project that we've got. I've got some sources in the you know, national security establishment. So I do happen to know that there is, uh, there is a little uh, operation going on down mm. there. Um, I'm not sure that it was that you're telling me he was involved in that because I'm not sure that's the best strategy. I was not consulted on that is that is that so, what's happening i thought it might be a good
1: idea you know because like we like to have our interns get real hands-on experience here i thought it could be a good idea to have him like kind of run this the show
0: oh you know? oh boy so well i mean did he when you got in touch with them, like did he was he asking for like resources or like what because i know i know we yeah. had a little bit of a, a uh, a little bit of a backlog of stuff that maybe we could have thrown at that project. Was he able to, was he able to, did he have everything he needed at least to, to get this off the ground or what? I don't know. He kept asking for money and
1: like a hotel room and like weapons. And it's just like, yeah. dude, you know, the guy. he's always, he's always fucking complaining. So it's just like, I just kind of took it as something like that. Like he doesn't actually need this stuff. He just yeah. wanted to be pampered. So, I mean, like I don't get that. Yeah, I mean, we're not here. a bank. No, when yeah, I don't get that stuff like for the that. show. Like, what does he need that for down there?
0: Yeah. So, well, I you know, kind I'm sure all that's going to turn out fine. Um, this i don't know when this is going to be released in the future. Um, it's probably in a couple days from now. But uh, regardless, you know that 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 is a little concerning. But I think the uh, the illegitimate government of old Nicolas Maduro is uh, probably on its way out. If if I had to guess. But uh, I'm a little nervous about Ken being involved in that. But you know what how how badly could he possibly fuck that up it should be fine i mean he's played call of duty
1: before he knows what to, what it takes to be a mercenary
0: yeah. okay well hello and welcome everyone to the insurgents it's episode 21 uh this is rob Rousseau here hey rob
1: this is jordan here
0: hello jordan how is it going? You had a you had a pretty big weekend, pretty busy weekend. What was what's going on with that? Yeah, you I was doing this weekend.
1: doing a lot of important things. Um, yeah. Playing Fortnite. Uh, just played a lot of Fortnite. Yeah, we did a charity stream for healthcare for the homeless in Baltimore, and and you joined as well. You yes. were on. You were I on tried. The games. I tried to <laughs> <You> join.
0: <laughs> I had a little trouble uh, figuring all the the ins and outs of how to how to do that. I'm not exactly a a <laughs> Fortnite master, but no i did join it was it was quite it was quite enjoyable it was fun to to play we did pick up a squad win which i was happy about Mm -hmm. yep and i was really laughing we were just repeatedly doing monster like monster ad reads pro (laughs) bono monster ad reads i thought i was having fun with that
1: (laughs) yeah yeah. we had well actually don't in retrospect i would like to not revisit the other (laughs) reoccurring joke that we had but yeah i think it's that this weekend my mind just increasingly uh got smoother and smoother um Just found like the dumbest things absolutely hilarious because i'm just staring at this game for 30 hours um but yeah we we (laughs) kept doing monster ad reads which i found uh really enjoyable but we got the wins. (laughs) i do genuinely
0: enjoy it i gotta say i like the the refreshing taste (laughs) (laughs) of those ultra non zero calories in those it's remarkable that's right right. (laughs) That's right.
1: Uh, it's hard Nectar to believe. Of the but gods. It, it really is. Uh, zero calories and zero sugar. And you don't compromise taste. You don't compromise <laughs> the taste. That. And that's what's really important.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: But that was oh, fun. Uh, we raised 7,000. Over 7,000 for Healthcare for the Homeless Whoa. in Baltimore, which is doing amazing work. Yeah, the goal is five. So really, really happy amazing. with everyone. And thank you all for tuning in and donating and having fun with us along the way. It was great. It was a great experience. And I think more to it come on that front. I got to know the Twitch fundraising team. So oh, cool. many, many more fundraisers uh, to come. I think it's a really cool platform to do uh, fundraisers on.
0: Cool. Well, yeah, that was fun. And I think, yeah, we should do do some more of those. It was great. I mean, it Absolutely. was great for me to do to do like two hours of stuff and see you were doing like 24 <laughs> straight hours or whatever. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. So, uh, I mean, not a whole lot I wanted to get into before our interview later with uh Kath Krieger and Jack Crosby. Uh, they are, of course, formerly of Splinter, and now they're they're working on their own new kind of independent project discourse blog over at Substack, uh, where we are also located. So we had a great conversation with Kath and Jack. Uh, I think you're going to enjoy that. Um... And We're also going to include a link uh, in the episode description to to subscribe to discourse blog I recommend everyone does that because they're already doing really great stuff and I think that's only going to go uh, In that's that's only going to get better and better. So definitely subscribe to that mm-hmm. um, So there before we get to that and there's not a whole lot I wanted to get into just one of the things I wanted to mention Was because we were, you know, we joke around in these cold opens about the sort of dipshit liberals and the things that they say and believe, and we kind of just repeat verbatim often what is what is said, and it it just sounds ridiculous. But we were talking about, you know, we were we were joking around about Joe Biden's fantasy cabinet. We talked a little bit about, oh, you get the Bushes in there, uh, you know, Jeb. D- w and mm-hmm. you know we you know the, the the ongoing rehabilitation of the bushes has been like a part of uh, uh liberals have been pushing this like since the Trump era because he's the he you know he's the 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 good uh, Republican president who wasn't uh, mean and and did mean tweets like Donald Trump does mm-hmm. yeah um so but it was just funny because after doing that this weekend m- some Bush's good discourse flared up yet again um, because he released this, like, uh, you know, heavily scripted uh, sort of video talking about coming together, just a like completely meaningless pablum about coming together and overcoming our differences and getting through this crisis. And it, it, it once again, very predictively set off this like entire uh, discourse cycle of these people saying, like, then now this is what a president should look and sound like. I may not agree with everything he did, but like this is a, a leader and it's just like fucking can you people not can you just go for one day without not talking about how George W Bush is good please i'm just i'm begging the libs you have to stop talking about how George W Bush was good it's it's going to make me fucking lose it it's 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 incredible
1: um this that whole dynamic and this revisionist history of of people like bush um really makes me uh angry especially when you consider how people are acting like right now we have to just suck it up and vote for joe biden in blue no matter who because donald trump is the greatest threat to democracy we have ever seen and watch how fast that same label and that same defense gets trotted out in 2024 when whomever on the on the right is running for office it's going to be the same thing time and time again and then we'll look back and be like oh i would so much rather have donald trump and then the excuse then would be like probably they catch up to where other people are at where it's at least he was inept and couldn't get anything done. This guy's dangerous and savvy. Like it's just <laughs> they'll the find new things to to beat back progressive uh, or leftist causes because it's never really about beating. Uh it's never just about that, right? It's it's about protecting power and and money and corporate interests and that kind of stuff and maintaining that that status quo so everyone in power stays in power and continues to get rich. Like this type of blinkered uh, view of George Bush is, is, you know, at best naive, but I don't think it's that. I think it's actually deliberately insidious because that helps people in power in the Democratic Party maintain a status quo that enriches them. And to yeah. say that he is some rational uh, actor or an actual good conservative and something we need to get back to um, when just... You know 20 years ago he was lying to get us into uh wars that killed hundreds of thousands of people i saw sane the term sane warmonger uh used this weekend which is just so fucking bizarre
0: come on (laughs) well even part of the in part of this like uh this discourse i heard people saying like oh can you imagine trump putting out a video like this and it's like yes yes yeah, i can absolutely i can imagine yeah. trump hiring some slick uh, pr firm <laughs> to put together this fucking video where he mumbled a bunch of platitudes and just a bunch of liberals like, would start clapping like fucking seals about it yes i can absolutely imagine that yes because um like that's the thing i think if you're like in your 20s maybe and you're maybe a little too young in the bush era to be sort of politically aware or not really like a totally like absorbing news all the time like you might now I think it's easy to lose sight of the fact that everything people say about trump now about how dangerous he is uh anti-democratic uh the the untold damage he's done to america and the world like this is what people were saying at that time about bush rightfully so because he was very very bad extremely terrible and uh it's just it's unbelievable to see uh how easily Liberals will just like v- sign up for these rehabilitation projects for these like terrible, awful fucking monsters uh, who should be tried for war crimes. Really, if there was any justice whatsoever, uh, that's where Bush, George Bush would be right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the same like we saw the same thing a couple months back, right, with the Ellen thing when Ellen was was at the Super, the, the Super Bowl with George Bush. And then that kind of turned into, a, you know, I'm I'm friends with some people that I disagree with. And it, this right. isn't like, it's not like your fucking racist uncle at Thanksgiving. Like this is an actual mm-hmm. war criminal, uh, who helped murder hundreds of thousands, if not more people. Uh, so let's stop rebuilding, rehabilitating George W. Bush. Um, and, and yeah, and when Trump is gone, let's not immediately do the same thing, but I'm saying that now and I know it's going to happen. Uh, but I just yeah. wanted to mention it cause it was that, that was a depressing, yet another depressing cycle of, of bad, bad discourse. Oh
1: terrible absolutely terrible I, I don't <laughs> it's not about civility or reaching across the aisle or, or treating even people you hate with kindness because the Ellen thing was a demonstration of class solidarity you know it wasn't like that she was just yeah. meeting him at a table to talk about things or having a conversation with him in public like she was sitting in a loge at a Cowboys game like you're never going to be there people listening <laughs> yeah. to this will never fucking be invited to that That's that doesn't ever extend to you it's, it's wealthy. It's wealthy people. It's billionaires or millionaires or the politically connected or or the, the advantaged uh, ex- elitist class. That's that's what that was. That was not – and her defense was was absolutely bogus and hollow. And you could see that in her team's um, around-the-clock attempts to delete the video. Yes, um, yes. Uh, that Raul – I think it was Raul in New York. I can't remember his name. Oh, my God. Raphael. Um, one of the organizers with like Jay Fridge and, and some leftist uh, Jewish and Palestine solidarity groups in New York made where he put like torture images and, and, and Iraq and Afghanistan war footage behind her as she was as she was giving her apology or her explanation. They worked around the clock to delete that video because it actually was not about kindness and it wasn't about treating people with love and respect and dignity or whatever. It was about class solid, uh, class solidarity.
0: Yep. And this is, I mean, this goes back to the very beginning of the Obama administration, right? Uh, We're going to look forward and not backward, right? None of the people that were involved in this very criminal behavior that resulted in, again, untold numbers of deaths. um, None of these people were at any consequences for it. And and Barack and Michelle Obama have played a big role in that ongoing rehabilitation project uh, for George W. Bush. And you can see why I think American presidents would want to... Ensure that that happens because it, pretty much every single American president has committed some kind of atrocity or another, and uh, you can see why it's a it's a useful kind of tactic to ensure that none of this stuff is ever no one has ever held accountable for any of this shit. But uh, uh, George W. Bush, in fact, bad. So I think that's something that you know, yeah. it would be nice if they people remembered that. But I'm not going to thought not going to count on it.
1: Yeah, I mean the Trump the. Tr- The quote trump is the greatest threat thing is just recency bias i mean i think he's ultimately hindered by his his ineptitude like i I don't legitimately think he's he's the most dangerous threat to to democracy it's just that he's just saying the quiet part's loud yeah and it makes it easy to make that argument because it's easy to fundraise off of Um, yeah and just
0: in terms of pure body count right now still george w bush Miles ahead. Oh, yeah. Uh, You know, I'm not saying that that doesn't mean that Trump is good or better. Uh, He is a threat to democracy and he is very bad. But uh, the the idea that that Bush was better because he he gave nice speeches sometimes or he just wasn't a pure belligerent dickhead all the time. um, You know, I I don't think that uh, I don't think that's really a great way to uh, um, great moral framing uh, for how we want to judge some of these people. Yeah. And okay. so this is just the final thing I wanted to mention about George W. Bush, too, because I think uh, this was a tweet I saw from. Uh, at Matt, the great compromise, you oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, ho- oh, liquid, host liquid host flannel, of liquid flannel. Yeah. Very good. Very good podcast. Great. And show. he had a great tweet about this, which I think is just, it's so apt and it, it really underlies these, the weird double think that goes on with some of these libs that are praising George W. Bush. It's so strange because if you asked any of these people and you mentioned the name to them, Ralph Nader. What would they say? Oh, that that goddamn spoiler. Ralph Nader! The yeah. spoiler. He delivered the election to that that evil George W. Bush. That's why I hate Ralph Nader and the Green Party and these goddamn <laughs> spoiler third party candidates. And then you say, well, we, but you mentioned George W. Bush. What do you think about that guy? Great president, great leader. Uh, you know,
2: <laughs> so he was polite. He was civil.
0: Better than Trump. And it's just like how do you, how do you hold these two thoughts in your mind? At the same time, I don't understand how these people's brain, <laughs> how their brains work. But you know, maybe we need to interrogate that a bit more. Maybe sometimes we'll find, sometime we'll find some kind of solution to, to what's going on with that. So uh, let's not talk about George W. Bush anymore. Uh, it's okay. it was depressing, and that shit is annoying. <laughs> but um, wh- so let, we're gonna get to our our interview with uh, with Kath and Jack in just a minute. Um, I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to do like house housekeeping. I did have, we got another review on iTunes and you know, I I mean, often I talk about the reviews and how I enjoy them. We do enjoy getting them for the most part, but Mm -hmm. I I do feel like I have to mention that sometimes we do get reviews that, uh, they're upsetting. Uh, I don't like them. I don't like getting them. I don't like reading them. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to read this one just so we can kind of clear up any confusion about what constitutes a good review what we want to see in the reviews um because this one was really i was not a fan so i'm gonna read this review right now uh the title is great show great host and the review says i really enjoy listening to the ken klippenstein power hour with his guest oh, hosts boy. ron and morgan not not our names uh really no, simple i mean that's a very not that, at that's all. a really bad start not good ken ken really knows his politics sports music and history ron and morgan can get in the way of ken sometimes but that's oh just the boy. politics of the show the show is part of my podcast listening each week really good listening keep up the good work ken he doesn't host um, the show it's he not doesn't his host show. The show that's not the name of the show it's not no. called the ken clippenstein power it's Hour. not this is really simple stuff oh and um as we've repeatedly mentioned he is banned from the show not only is he not the yeah. host he's literally banned from the show mm-hmm. so
1: twice two lifetime double
0: bands.
1: ban mm-hmm. which is he knows what he did
0: yeah and so I just feel like, I don't know, somewhere there's been a miscommunication, I think, where people are not really aware of this, or they're, I, I really, I think it's unforgivable not knowing what our names are and the name of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would like to ask, we, again, we enjoy getting the reviews for the most part. If you're going to review the show, please just try and, like, we're not, we don't want to mention Ken. We don't want to hear about it anymore. Try to get our names correct. Like, try to actually correctly identify the, our who we are, mm-hmm. ideally. And I, 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 would like to see like an increase in the quality of these reviews because the, this is not the only review that's mentioned. Ken and how they like what he brings to the table. I just, I don't want to see that anymore. And I was, I was very upset by this. And uh, I just wanted to. It was, it was it, it, somewhat triggering to read, but I just wanted to make everyone clear, like what the, what we, what our expectations are when it comes to these reviews.
1: Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Um, I mean, I also noticed that one came from. Great Britain, too, which kind of also upsets me as I only like to get American reviews. Yeah, I mean,
0: um, is that even allowed? I'm not sure. I,
1: I'm going to have to check with I Can they access
0: the sh- show? Because I wasn't aware that.
1: I asked them specifically, don't let anyone else see this. But yeah. we'll see. There well, is one I actually would like to uh, read.
0: Okay, um, yeah, go ahead.
1: So it says, great podcast, five stars. It said Jordan Yule, but it might spell spelled my last name, Y-U-L-E, which is not how you spell it. And Bob Russo, which... Cr- Remind that's not, not your first do name. Do not right? go
0: by that. Yeah.
1: Okay. Are uh, nice, but lead host Ken Clippenstein sometimes stays <sighs> silent for entire episodes. Um, so yeah, he's, he's
0: literally not there. So
1: he's not there. Yeah, so please <laughs> issue a correction on that one.
0: Yeah. So let's try and do better with the your of the podcast. But again, please leave a good review that that does not do does not do these kind of things. Over on Apple Podcast, which is extremely helpful. Uh, you mm-hmm. can also subscribe to the Insurgents over on Substack if you haven't already. Uh, if you're able to, you can make a monthly contribution of five dollars per month or fifty-five dollars annually to get access to cool bonus content and get into our very, very elite and cool Discord server where there is a no Ken zone where he's not able to. There's mm-hmm. Ken will never be in the in that Discord channel. So if That's you ever great. want to sort of go somewhere online where you're just completely free from that kind of toxicity. You can do it there in the Discord. Uh, you get access to that by subscribing on Substack at the $5 or $55 annual level. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else? No, I think that's all for me. Great. So we're going to get to our interview with uh, Kath Krieger and Jack Crosby in just a minute. And in fact, they will be <laughs> joining the show right after this. Do you have like a do you have like a small talk conversation topic you want to kick us off with to get the banter going? What do you, what do you think? Sure. About sure. Did you know Jack is like a pro Fortnite player? I saw it firsthand this weekend. Really?
1: Hmm. Yeah, Jack a is mild,
3: like
2: Wait, so mild you guys were both in the same tournament?
0: I was in there too. Wow.
2: It wasn't a, it so wasn't a tournament. It, it was, was a... literally just me. Not there. <laughs> yeah, wow. So yeah. you, a left you missed out it. Now.
0: I invited you. <laughs>
1: Um, oh
2: well must have got lost in the mail
1: <laughs> i think your agent uh for your esports team said it was kind of beneath, yeah. your, beneath your caliber
2: yeah you know i don't really play for charity um.
1: <laughs> yeah i get it i get it no no jackpot you're out well Just... how'd it go good we raised um like sixty two hundred dollars um which for healthcare for the homeless in baltimore uh it's a really small nonprofit that helps uh, provide like you know medical services direct care to People experiencing homelessness in the city. So that's it was, great. It's it like
2: a great cause. It was fun.
1: Yeah, yeah I'm the opposite of a going. pro.
0: I was really really terrible um, And I just didn't even know how the whole process worked of logging in and stuff I was a little bit stoned as well. So I, was, I turned it on <laughs> and and
2: Perfect a perfect storm really.
0: <laughs> like how do I what button do I press to join the and there's like you know, not it wasn't my finest video gaming hour Hearing, yeah, hearing a lot of
2: excuses for some um, performance. <laughs> a poor nervous, workman blames
0: his tools. A, a
2: true, a true gamer is always odd. <laughs> Fortnite's right.
3: not a not one of my not one of my specialties. You know, it's not a game I regularly play. But uh, oh, you
2: have a specialty.
3: Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm 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 pretty versatile, uh, so I, I like to think I picked it up pretty quickly. But uh, I, I was like maybe maybe mildly more competent than than Rob coming in completely fresh, but uh, <laughs> not not that much more. Also Jordan what, Jordan's a Jordan's a seasoned a seasoned Fortnite pro though. He's uh, I have
2: yeah, I have so little context. Like, have you ever, Jordan? Have you ever played like Felix or someone?
1: I have not, but I, I hear him and and the the Fym guys are really good. Seems like he, he takes that shit
0: pretty seriously.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he. Um, I think, like, over Christmas, I I have this, like, little brother. He's, like, just 18. He's the total shithead, um, you know, and, like, talks a huge game about everything. He's a student athlete, whatever, and he was really into Fortnite. And we were like, uh, let's, let's get Felix. Let's get them doing, like, a 1v1. And Felix just absolutely washed him. <laughs> but came out of it being like, you know what? Your brother, like, if he just like wanted to take him under his wing like if he, if he just practices <laughs> if he just like does you know xyz like he's really got room to grow nice. it was very really magnanimous of him
3: yeah you the, know if his if, become... his if his basketball career doesn't work out i guess he can always uh you know go pro in a real real sport yeah, yeah. something, something with actual
2: money attached <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean
3: it's not like it's even sport. possible
0: to play professional sports now anyways so no <laughs>
2: right. no right.
0: unfortunately well
1: yeah I, I don't take it that serious but they're also pc which i'm not well, sort of i just i literally just bought one a couple hours yeah, ago. yeah i just saw
0: your tweet about that <laughs> <laughs> the so the, I,
2: the pc police no. sorry just kidding yes no, I, yeah okay. i had
1: I had to make the jump i mean everyone is on it and it's just like it makes it way easier plus it's helpful for streaming so pc gamers rise up you will you will master, master I not know, I know. Yeah. yeah exactly exactly <laughs> And that's why that's why everyone listens. So we could hear they could hear me talk about gaming.
0: Yeah, exactly. This is, a, this this, gaming this is the gaming podcast that you've tuned into now. Obviously, everyone's that's why they that's why they tune in. So that's what we're absolutely. talking
1: about. So joining us today from Discourse Blog, Kath Krieger and Jack Crosby. Thank you both for joining us.
2: Good to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah,
1: thanks for having us. So uh, you know, people probably know both of you through your work at Splinter. Um, and, and the the, the bullshit uh, ending uh, brought to Splinter by you know capitalist uh, VC vultures. Uh, so you have and, and other ex-Splinter folks have started a new uh, Substack newsletter with kind of like long-term plans to build this into an independent uh, what work worker-run alternative to Splinter, right?
2: Yeah, basically like a little uh, media collective, kind of. Um, That's awesome. And you know, it's definitely like the same ethos of Splinter, where we're kind of letting our weirdness run. But it's been a really amazing outlet so far.
3: Yeah, we we started as a as a WordPress blog first, just because I think a, a lot of us had kind of stayed in touch um, after uh, Splinter went under, and. Um, We just, you know, kind of had all these like pieces that those of us were freelancing like didn't really find homes for. Um, You know, I I pitched up to different outlets all the time. I've been freelancing consistently for years, but there's like a certain kind of blog and a certain kind of essay that like either pitching it to another outlet would have been like an extremely laborious to like convince an editor that like no, actually this like deranged thing is a good idea and people will click (laughs) on it. Or just like things that like didn't don't really have a home anywhere else on the internet. So we were doing it on WordPress, um, and then it kind of became clear that uh, it was going to be easier to um, not necessarily just monetize it, but maybe uh, make it reach more people um, and kind of do what we wanted to do with it uh, would be easier to do on Substack um, rather than just trying to run a, a WordPress website. Um, yeah.
0: What were the, um, what were the last couple of weeks at, at Splinter? Like, because from, from my perspective, it was interesting because it was often like you were mentioning, you see the kind of content that was coming out there and it's like, damn, I can't believe this is like a mainstream, like publication that's allowed to kind of publish this stuff. And then a few weeks later, it's like, oh, well, there we go. <laughs> so that, that explains that, uh, yeah. how was, how, how was that from your perspective? The whole, uh, final, final weeks of that and, and being part of that sort of uh, shift.
2: Yeah, well, uh, speaking for myself, you know, I signed documents <laughs> in order to uh, secure my really nice union severance, so I can't go into it too much. Oh, okay. But basically, like, the last few weeks were just a uh, normal splinter. You know, I think working in digital media is very much, you know, I'm I'm used to a feeling of constant precarity. <laughs> so it's like you're always just clenched waiting for something bad to happen, and so, like, you know, I think they just announced that we were shutting down. I have basically repressed this like they basically shut us down immediately. We didn't have like that was a disappointing thing. We, you know, never got the chance to have like a senior week like Gawker did or anything like that. Yeah. So but in a way, it was very much like pulling off a band aid, or I guess not. That's not the right metaphor, like euthanizing an animal or something like you don't know it's coming. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it was, you know, it was abrupt. I'll say that.
3: Yeah, it was I I I was a contractor there so I did not have to sign any documents but I still just, you know, for the interest of everyone like involved, we we don't want to go too much into it but it was yeah, it was it was really sudden and I think it was it was kind of all the more harder because the first few like weeks and months afterward is sort of when the primaries like really kicked into gear oh my god yeah this this primary cycle has lasted like (laughs) 20 million years like it feels like a decade yeah Yeah. like i i think that the 2020 primary started in like 2016 and it just basically (laughs) hasn't stopped right um and and so it seemed like for for a long time i was at splinter a year and it seemed like for a huge amount of this cycle we were kind of like spinning our wheels in this like endless churn of like we knew that this primary was coming but like literally no one had even voted on anything yet um and kind of right after we were killed is when all of this stuff like started happening we were just kind of sitting there being like well shit! like what you know now what what are we you know yeah
2: i also think we all you know i guess i'll just speak for myself again i felt really like sidelined like right as shit was heating up Like, we ended up missing out on, you know, darkly missing out on, but, like, what is blogging good for if not kind of like opining on our present hell moment? We missed out on, like, covering almost the entirety of, like, Mayor Pete being a quote-unquote serious candidate. (laughs) You know, stuff like that, which we were, like, you know, without being too navel-gazing, we were just, like, this was, if ever there was a moment for us to shine, like, this is it. Um, And Of course, this was way before Joe Biden imploded and stuff like that, but basically, you know, we kind of saw splinter characters or splinter enemies really and splinter storylines like blowing up and we were like man, wish we had an outlet for this and uh, You know, I feel like we all have kind of similar brain worms in that we would just like have a signal thread going and we would just be like here's a here's a headline um because you know none of us can turn it off
3: we we like we like live watched almost all of the debates in the latter half of 2019 and and some of them in the in the beginning of 2020 and just like texting each other through signal and (laughs) and stuff even though like like none of us none of us were actually covering it like i think i wrote maybe like one debate piece and like Paul Blessed, who's one of the most prolific of us I think wrote a couple of like debate response pieces like but nobody was actually working on this shit we were just like sick and trying to alienate the people that we <laughs> live with and or love by like blowing up this splinter thread during debates that we weren't even being paid to cover anymore Um and I, I, that sounds like a, a horrible yeah, situation you, for people when you say in, it like that we it really at. makes
2: us sound fun <laughs> we're just sitting at home watching these debates for no reason but yeah i I think you're right jack
1: i mean that's that's the one thing i really appreciated about i mean gawker and splinter into you know when when they got into politics deadspin because i mean overall nick denton's like general idea was to have this kind of like punchy blog which you know worked well and there was there was obviously a demand for it and with your absence now we don't have a viable alternative and there's like you have like it just seems like a kind of a rigid binary you either have like the the people who just try to avoid opinion and commentary at all costs or you have like just the blatant propaganda like propaganda or like explicitly partisan and and this drivel that but there's no real middle ground you don't like it. you don't have a combination of both and i think we've had a a, a couple discussions throughout the course of the last primary um around the need or importance of objectivity um in news coverage and i feel like splinter did a really good job of kind of mixing both in a a fair and reasonable way um so i'm curious what you what you think about your 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 position in that dynamic uh, and what this new uh effort the discourse blog would would bring to that equation
2: yeah i mean i think I would actually say that I see it as like basically most of the media is like kind of center. But when we say center, we really mean like center right. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, I don't believe that anything is objective. So like Splinter was my first job where I really I worked at TPM, which was is obviously like a liberal site. But, you know, certainly like very straight news writing. So Splinter was the first place where I really felt like I could like call bad people bad people and say like, (laughs) Yeah, this sucks, and capitalism is the root of all evil, and things like that. <laughs> um, and again, without being too self-indulgent, like people who read the site after it shuttered, like I got a bunch of DMs being like, "Well, where do we go now?" And I was like, "I don't know. If I if I knew, I would try and work there." You know, like it just felt like a bunch of dominoes. You know, like think progress and. Who else? Like, a you know, like what was left of the kind of quote unquote left media um, has had been dying for a long time. And like there are fewer kind of corners of not only just like being weird, but also being unapologetically left that I think there certainly have been a recent memory.
0: Well, I mean, even when you get into like what the what the basic function of journalism is supposed to be, which is like speaking truth to power, uh, making making powerful people uncomfortable. You know, and this is just this is something that Splinter and Gawker and and Deadspin and these sites did on the, regularly, and it's something that people that work in corporate media are just so allergic to because they're so uh, obsessed with like seeming objective, right. and to have any kind of slant to some kind of like you know terrible uh, sin, and um, I mean you can see from this primary the way that they've completely botched I think covering a lot of this stuff and has led to a very shitty situation right now, uh, in the United States. And I guess that's why it's, uh, it's frustrating to see what happened with, with all these sites. And you can also see why people like Peter Thiel, for instance, felt threatened by, by, uh, what, what you folks were doing, uh, because exactly because you were saying you were willing to say things that just weren't being said on, you know, MSNBC or CNN or whatever.
3: I, I think one of the, one of the problems with like what you're talking about um that sort of like aspirational um objectivity is that like the general public and your your average like reader of a website or a newspaper or something like that doesn't fully understand people don't understand the difference between opinion journalism and objective journalism and when they're reading something they're people are going to ascribe bias to everything that they read. Like People think that the New York Times trends to be left. If you're super far on the right, you think that the New York Times is like socialist propaganda or something like that, which it's clearly not, but people are gonna ascribe those biases to anything that's being read. So I think, it, especially now, it seems like kind of a fool's errand to like try to convince them that they're wrong And rather like the thing that was refreshing about Splinter and the thing that was refreshing about sort of that entire Gawker ethos of journalism was, was not that they, they weren't, they just weren't fighting that battle. That's a losing battle. They were saying, instead of trying to convince you that we're objective, we're going to convince you that we're honest. And we're going to tell you, like, if we have a bias towards something, like, everyone who wrote it Splinter was, like, our biases are, like, we believe that everyone should be able to go to the doctor. Like, that's Medicare right. for All is, is a no-brainer. And we don't, like, we don't even have to, like, have that battle. Um, Would you ever people, consider that you've and got and to hear both to...
0: sides, though? Because mm-hmm. that's... <laughs>
2: Yeah, about, like, should people be allowed to die because they yeah. don't have enough money for health care? Damn, you know, you raise a really interesting question. Maybe we should <laughs> grapple with that more, you know? And thank God, under our, our excellent president, we're going to get to see that borne out, you know? Just people dying for no reason in yep. droves. It's dark Great out stuff. there.
3: I think, I think that was what was cool, is that, like, when you when you could kind of, like give up on having to fight the stupid fights you could talk more about the ones that were interesting um i like i I wrote a huge amount on uh on gun control um and gun violence at splinter which like to me is something i have pretty like reasonably set opinions on um and because i think that like the scientific consensus like global warming is that like in general more guns equal more deaths but there are like real philosophical questions on um, on the left that can be argued from a left perspective as well as a right one on like what rights people have to being able to resist force and violence being inflicted upon them from other people and by the government and the systems and structures that they're in you know and there's I think it's much more of a fringe view but there is like a there's a pro-gun leftist movement as well and I think like from a site like splinter where you can clearly recognize your own biases and these things that frees you up to have those conversations because i can say in my reporting this is what i think on this but i'm engaging with people who might not agree with me or who like we're you can you can have those i think more interesting like political and ethical considerations without having to like argue with someone that like you know actually we should be charging people for insulin because
2: and charging people a lot you know yeah (laughs) yeah yeah I I agree it kind of like freed us up to be having like ideological arguments as opposed to you know like if I worked at the New York Times which lol at this point um, you know really having to like be mired in the details of say like wow you know Pete's healthcare plan uh, versus like Kamala's healthcare plan which are both were uh rip like medicare for all in name only you know like and and different in these like tiny terrible ways like we kind of just eschewed engaging in that at all and instead took on a more meta level which i found really freeing
1: i mean so are there examples of i mean you have i I don't know i'm I'm trying to i'm I'm thinking about what you've published and are are, do you think there's anything that you even can publish here that you wouldn't have been able to at Splinter. Like, I, I feel like he probably could have published the same moral failings uh, piece about Tara Reed. which you have been able to say, like Jack your piece today, uh, demanding that they give you Ben, that the New York Times gives you uh, <laughs> Ben Smith's job. Uh, do, I mean, do you think that would have been published in Splinter? And are there examples of content that you published here that you might have even not, you might not even even been able to publish there?
3: I don't. Huh. Well, I don't what do you think? I don't think there's. The, the thing about is is right up until they killed us there 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 wasn't a huge amount of we didn't We didn't and I guess I'll, I'll I'll speak on this too. We didn't fight as many I don't think of the same editorial battles as maybe say Deadspin did Um, I I was not an editor and I was only there for a year, but there in general we had reasonably free reign to publish what we wanted at Splinter the the way I see that the new the new website is um, not necessarily in what we can publish there that we couldn't publish at Splinter, but what we don't have to publish on the new website that we did have to publish at Splinter. Um, not that like you know we were doing things at Splinter that we knew were bad, but there's there's when you're in that corporate structure, there's an enormous amount of like like you literally just have to keep like every day the blogs have to go out. Um, and I think in, in this structure that we're at at Substack, it's going to let us focus on the things at Splinter that people enjoyed doing were good at, at doing and like had the most value. So, um, I guess some of what you were talking about before, which is like giving people a place to see the things that they believe in actually represented in the news and commentary and reporting around it. And then, um... You know having things like like uh you know rafi schwartz uh, is really good at kind of explaining and, and breaking down um from our very clear perspective like things that have been going on in the news um and and paul bless and Catherine and, and jack merkinson are all like very good at, at writing sort of like morally clear-headed analyses of like of things that are happening in essays that are um you know personal and and like and those were the things that we all liked doing at splinter and i think the things that succeeded right so this is kind of our opportunity to like just do those things and not have to worry about all of the other shit
2: yeah i i don't think i guess i would say that at least at this point i don't think anything we've published couldn't have lived on splinter But really, for us, it's about being free from the kind of churn of like high volume production. Mm -hmm. Like, kind of, I love blogging, but kind of like the dark (laughs) side of blogging, which is like uh, publishing every 20 minutes. Like, now if we only publish like twice a day, we can really, you know, focus on, as you said, Jack, like the things people really love to do, which are, you know, kind of more analytical, considered takes or essays or, you know, we're going to have some recorded features coming up too. So yeah, it's more about, it's more about pace. And I think like kind of slower news, which has been also really freeing in its own way.
0: I'm wondering what you think, uh, what you two think about the role the media has played in this primary, uh, because that's something, I mean, we started this podcast right at the very, very beginning of this primary kicking off. We went through this whole very, very, very depressing turn of uh, after Nevada, Bernie seeming like the front runner in the race to now, whatever the fuck is going on now, uh, which is not that, obviously. Um, right. And so part of our coverage of that has been, I mean, I think for me personally, uh, it's just been thinking a lot about the media and corporate media and the role that they played in like diminishing the idea that Sanders was electable and and never talking about Biden's flaws and making sure that he was seen as electable and not allowing sanders to ever get this idea of momentum or that he was winning even after this big historic win in nevada and just kind of downplaying everything i don't want to say that's the only reason that that sanders didn't win um because you know i don't think i don't i'm not just going to say that oh the campaign was perfect in every way and and there's nothing they could have done uh because i don't think it was but that to me is like the, the probably the main factor uh that led to bernie not not capitalizing on that that Huge historic win in Nevada, and 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 riding the rest of the way to the to the nomination. Uh, where do you two land on that? I mean, do you think do you agree with that, or what do you think? What role do you think the the sort of mainstream media played in in determining this outcome?
2: That's a big question. I mean, I guess I would say uh, more than I would like to admit, because I I do feel like the mainstream media is more distrusted by more Americans than ever, and is also like the audience is constantly shrinking as a whole, I think, you know, even though like the New York Times post record numbers or things like that, you know, there are cases like that. But I think we can say as a rule, the mainstream media was incredibly hostile to Bernie. And I I think like where that really worked was just diminishing Bernie's candidacy as like a, a feasible or a smart option. Like I think the Iowa bungle in particular robbed his campaign of, you know, like even doing a victory speech or like a clear definitive like people tune in or all the headlines the next day are Bernie wins. Like he was robbed of that. So I think, yeah. you know, I remember That's, too,
0: they did that on CNN. They did like a town hall with Buttigieg, with Buttigieg and did like a big thing of like, right when he came on, oh, you won. And it was this yes. very like manufactured feel-good moment. Maddening, and that just maddening. Sucked.
2: You know, and they like yeah. acted like that was unsettled. And like, you know, Pete, unfortunately, like his campaign somewhat savvily, savish, savvily, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Like, you know, act, went out and acted like they won. They carried themselves forward like victors and the media bought into that Uh, Narrative, but you know I had said kind of like early in the primary like if Bernie can just come out strong and win Like in the first few like definitively win basically so much more of the country will Kind of like wake up to the idea that like wow, it's you know, we're not just like dreamscaping by backing Bernie Like you know people like to back a winner. They don't like to have their hopes shattered Uh, so I think you know had perhaps had he not been just consistently ragged on, uh, you know, people would have felt like they were a part of something more or, you know, like they would have felt like, wow, this is going somewhere, this is being allowed to go somewhere, and I want in.
3: Yeah, I think um, I think maybe the, the media's characterization of Bernie, because we know that the candidates themselves and how these campaigns are run is also in a large part kind of you know they're all watching the news they're all seeing how these candidates are being viewed and the the media is maybe seen as kind of like a litmus for how people are going to see those candidates as well i mean i i personally think and maybe this, this is the obvious answer but the 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 massive consolidation around biden um was like the extremely rapid and very quick consolidation of just like everyone dropping out within the same like weekend two day period um, right before South Carolina uh, was the the like something that was just sort of insurmountable. But I think maybe if, if Bernie had gotten uh, sort of more equitable coverage earlier in the race that maybe some of those candidates wouldn't have been so quick to immediately throw in behind Biden. Uh, I don't know what good that would have done, but maybe someone like Beto O'Rourke who for a while was like at least trying to pretend that he was a progressive, um, doesn't immediately jump on team Biden. Like maybe that, that, that if the media had given Bernie a fairer chance, like some of those people feel like they maybe have the political wiggle room, which like, you know, we all know that they're craven opportunists at that point. But like, you know, maybe they would have seen a craven opportunity in in swinging the other way. Um, But I, yeah, that's like what we were saying about bias, that's just that's clearly not, you know, not going to happen when um, all of these supposedly objective organizations are, are, you know, are swaying things in that direction.
0: Kath, you pointed out that uh, it's very true that uh, as an institution, the, the sort of mainstream media in America is quite untrusted by a big swath of the population and uh, doesn't have that kind of influence. But I think when you talk about liberal democratic primary voters, they do have a ton of influence. And we're really able to convince a lot of these folks who just have MSNBC and CNN blaring in their houses for 18 hours a day that even after Bernie put together these big wins, know the thing I pointed out to a, like a week or two ago on the show is that like after Nevada, when the story should have been, Bernie Sanders is putting together this big historic coalition of immigrants and young people. Um, and it's it's really amazing. He's winning these primaries. Uh, this is the guy like they and like if it was anyone else, they would have said they would have made that the story. But because it was Bernie, they just refused to do that. And it's like the whole week after Nevada was like uh, Bernie praised a Cuba's literacy program in the 80s. Like, what's up with that?
2: Right. Right. I, and I think I think we're all perhaps old enough to remember when like a million years ago in this race, do you remember like David Sorota sent out like a Bernie newsletter or something that was kind yes, of like,
0: I mentioned that as well before.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And like people had a really like negative reaction to that because, you know, they all had dirt on their faces. And in retrospect, I'm like, you know, they actually probably played too nice with the media. You know, like the media, yeah. the media didn't cut them any any breaks the way they did for every other candidate. And well, you know, it's also like
0: the idea that that oh, if Bernie had just like kissed their asses more and then right, hired right. more Which people, like sure, then they would have been nice totally, to him. But that's not true.
2: Totally bunk. Like, I guess yeah. what I come back to in this discussion is like, yes, the media screwed the Bernie campaign over. How much did it end up mattering? I think that's open for debate, but what should the campaign have done differently on this front? I say like nothing, honestly, yeah. because I'm sure you guys have talked about this before, also. But it's kind of like you know the online Bernie Bros mean supporters thing. It's like there is oh, yes. we there is no way we could have been nice enough for their taste, you know, or like even if the Bernie campaign had decided to play nice at every dumb uh, pork chop eating thing. Like the media still would have found cause to kind of take digs at him so you know I think he ran a campaign with integrity and I think you know there's nothing that could have been helped on this front save by uh, the media doing it differently
0: yeah I mean one you talk about mean Bernie supporters that I think that's such a funny fucking contrast the fact that uh, a Bernie organizer uh, Ben Mora got fired from his job and got it was the subject of this big media hit piece in daily beast for, for having an anonymous twitter account where he was like elizabeth warren looks like shit and stuff oh
2: my god you that have, was so ridiculous yeah. I'm, sorry. Have, I'm sorry i'm yeah. sorry like i don't buy into expansive definitions of <laughs> online harassment even on the best of days but it's like you i would argue you literally cannot her, like online harass uh, a public figure, perhaps at all, like someone where this their stature is that much greater than yours, but particularly so if you're doing it from behind a locked Twitter account. Like, come on,
0: right? Yeah. Ugh. And now, the, yeah. And contrasting that, now you have like. Biden supporters online talking about someone coming forward with very serious like sexual assault allegations being like, she's a fucking liar. Guys, like, no, no, All the shit they said
2: about Brianna Joy Gray, like just vile stuff. You know, it's yeah. yeah, I think (laughs) what we really saw in 2020 and in 2016, but you know, particular to Bernie, is that like the left will always be held to a different set of standards than say Joe Biden. You know, I was talking uh, quite darkly to Will this weekend and I was like, can you even imagine if like the Tara Reed thing had come out, but it was like against Bernie, like while he was still in the race, like every single one of, of these course. people who is now like, well, you know, if it's a rapist versus a rapist, like at least this guy's my <laughs> rapist as opposed to oh, the God, bad Jesus rapist. Christ. You know what I mean? Um, whereas like, you know all of these liberals would have quite rightfully been saying like, Bernie needs to drop out yesterday. So yeah, it's just without getting too far afield, too out of pocket. uh, Yeah, you know, there's kind of no way to appease these people. So like, why bother? Which is very central to the the splinter ethos. And now the discourse blog ethos. (laughs) The craziest
3: argument I keep seeing online is like, I I saw a tweet that like almost literally word for word and this, you know, it doesn't matter because it was from a nothing account with no followers arguing with someone on a feed that I like shouldn't even have been reading at three o'clock in the morning, but like (laughs) we're all sick. So it it happens. But the tweet, like word for word said, like, I like Bernie. He seems like a smart and reasonable guy um, who would be a good president, but I will, I would never vote for him because his, his campaign is like uncouth or something like that. And, and it just what like it just breaks my brain mean? to be like what for, like you're not voting for his campaign like when you vote for bernie sanders it doesn't mean that like brianna joy gray is gonna like suddenly be the president and like yell at you in the state of the union like it's that's not that's not how you're voting for bernie like
2: these people are pathological like saying his campaign is uncouth it's like you know if you drill a half inch down it's like okay which part was uncouth saying no one should die because they don't have health care was that the uncouth part like please joe a biden, biden
3: called the guy fat to his face like on tape <laughs> like
2: that's uncouth. Fair, that was that was actually pretty funny <laughs> that was extremely um, <laughs> funny like, that was like one of his very few like actual you know still concerning but like uh funny moments so, <laughs> i'll let that one go but it, re-
1: it really represents just kind of this, this incoherent uh, application of, of their worldview because it's like if like you said if you drill down like a half inch you really can't get to anything substantive um they, it, they their excuse would always be like oh well the, the people that he inspires like that reflects like a lack of leadership or a lack of lack of character or whatever and you had that comment from elizabeth warren saying we shouldn't build on a foundation of hate um, but the thing is, when it comes to, to to go back to Biden's staff, it's like you have Anita Dunn, who represented Harvey Weinstein, who is now like running the same type of interference on behalf of Joe Biden. And no one fucking cares.
0: Nobody cares. And was just- promoted after Tara Reid approached Time's Up to tell that story. And they, <laughs> right. they uh, you know. Killed it.
1: They knew it was coming. Kind of interesting they've, timing there. Yeah, they have known for months, and and because <laughs> it wasn't really about character or integrity or how they're running the campaign or people they inspire. It's just preventing Bernie. Because, and I, I don't know, I don't know where my point is going with this, but like, <laughs> it's it's just, uh, it it nothing, nothing really matters to them, and it, it it sucks as we're in this moment where people are getting sick and dying, and everyone's now sed- suddenly caring, and the people that lectured. And scolded and belittled and berated us for things like the Joe Rogan podcast clip are oh tweeting out shit now that's like <laughs> sipping the tea when like thousands of, of, of people in Georgia are dying and 80% of them are black. And it's like you really got a, you got the fucking nerve. You like ha- literally harassed my friends who are on the Sanders campaign who work in the video department because of the Rogan campaign. And now they're tweeting out shit like that when 80% of, of, of people in Georgia who are dying are
3: black. Like fuck off forever. I think it's interesting. Stuff. Stuff. I think it's interesting talking about like we don't want to build this campaign on like a foundation of hate when like and I think it's like it's it's weird that like people who portray themselves as like mild and like moderate like get they get cast with like less that they don't hate like everyone else does. And I think like everyone in America at the moment is like pretty fucking angry. And it's as someone who's like moderate, it's it's just like they hate just as much as like a as as like a super leftist person who has a private Twitter account saying that like Elizabeth Warren looks like shit, like does. <laughs> the the person with a private Twitter account is just being more honest about it. Like the tweets were funny,
0: by the way. They were very funny. S-
3: some oh, yeah. of, them, Cr- some Cr- of them were Cres extremely funny. and I funny. Kind,
2: of, kind of disagree on this, this topic in particular, but we don't want to lo- relive the past. <laughs> Which did I, I thought it? the tweets were incredibly funny. I thought
3: several of them were incredibly funny, and some of them were bad. <laughs> Um, I, I don't think we have the chat logs, but there was one in particular, the one about Amy (laughs) Klobuchar was extremely funny. I think
2: play, play back the tape.
3: Uh... Um,
2: (laughs) I'm only doing like a little bit of irony right now, but to me, this is like the difference. Like I actually mean something when I say, when I joke, but I'm also saying, what is irony? What is genuine anymore? I don't know. Um, you know, like my hate is pure, like my, I'm mean online. I'm not as mean as, uh, say people I live with uh but you know like but i'm i mean the way i justify it to myself is like i'm i'm mean upwards i'm mean to the people who could be saving lives but refuse to because they're too fucking greedy you know like there's a difference between like just tweeting your ass um you know at like elizabeth warren or tweeting a snake you know what i mean like i just refuse to give that like continence that at all
1: yeah, it's the gatekeepers, uh, and it it it's the gatekeepers in media who whine about uh, civility and people being mean to them. Uh, and yeah, people like you or Will or whomever that get, that gets maligned like this aren't punching down like and to use I know that phrase can some people find tired, but like you're not going to go out there and insult like people experiencing homelessness or you're not going to ridicule people who are struggling to get health care and who are suffering. Like you're going out and making fun of people who make six figures to write columns like. Millennials are too spoiled and
2: and shit like well, that or or, you know, like policymakers actively making the world a worse yeah, place. Yeah. so, like if you're going to try and tell me that, like I'm cyberbullying, you know, like the CEO of united, like i <laughs> I truly don't know, like where to meet you on that, you know, right. like, yeah, it's it's wild
1: and they're fine at the end of the day they're going to be fine they're going to go home yeah i think they, they're okay yeah yeah they're, they're still employed they've got great salaries they got cushy benefits they, they, you know they probably got a nice house or, or whatever they're going to be okay people being mean to their people teasing them online doesn't matter uh, the suffering inflicted by people in those positions that's what matters and i i appreciate what uh well then splinter but now Discourse blog does to to point that out because so few will because the people who are in media now are kind of selected by the systemic uh system or that's redundant but you know that we have this system yeah, in place no, absolutely where it, it they they're self-selected because they went to elite institutions or they know people and they will never challenge power or speak out of line because right if they toe the line and they, they they abide by the rules they're going to advance and it's all about professionalism and and courtesy and civility and that kind of stuff, collegiality so they right. get ahead and if it throws you or millions of people uh, living in poverty under the bus to do it so be it that's just the price of politics
2: yeah it's uh it's a real bummer (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i mean really you know it's that's that's why it really has made me like it has been like a balm to my weary soul to like have and i'm not i'm not publishing nearly as much as other people are you know my own time constraints but like to just have that outlet back to like you know even if we're screaming into the void like you know, maybe, like, Jordan or Rob, like, if you just, like, lost your Twitter tomorrow, like, that would feel bad, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know
0: what? I sometimes talk about, like, you know, how we're we're podcasting and, and talking about all this really horrific shit, and we're often, like, joking around about it and, and making light of it. And it, it reminds me sometimes of, you know, the Blair Witch Project when uh, you know everything's going terribly and their lives are in danger and everything's bad but she's still holding this camera and everyone's getting annoyed at her like why are you are you doing this and she's like it's all i have left right and at one point the guy's like looking through the camera and he's like oh yeah when you look it through the camera um, it doesn't seem quite as real and if you're if you're like a, you know if you're absorbing the news like this uh, it doesn't seem quite as as like right in front of you and it's able you're able to kind of like move it into this different space and and absorb it uh, differently Absolutely. and so it's not so horrific all the time
2: yeah this is how I'm like sublimating just the horror of daily life basically like this is how I know like blogging is probably good for my mental health in a way that like maybe tweeting isn't you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just like it feels like an outlet. And again, I'm not knocking doors or, you know, I'm doing a little mutual aid work, but you know, tweeting or podcasting is not organizing or a substitute for politics, but it's you know, I, f- I think it's actually the highest form of <laughs> well, yeah, and it's and it's Fact certainly it's better than level. nothing to me. You know, like it's it's better than being silent in some really awful times.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I think being able to write and being able to have a platform of any kind, which we were lucky enough to have at Splinter and, and which we're sort of trying to rebuild the discourse is, yeah, it's it's a good way to like personally feel like you at least have some some way of uh, not necessarily controlling, but like affecting the circumstances that are around you. And like if, you know, the bigger that platform gets, like the louder you're voice or, or however you want to characterize it gets. And you can, like, you can say things like you can say, um, I think like one of the best blogs that we've done so far was, was Paul's post about, uh, NPR's, uh, shitty labor reporting, which was something that, um, you know, actually got noticed by NPR's public editor itself and stuff like that. And we're, we're looking for more opportunities to do that because, if we have a platform and we can speak up about these things that matter, maybe next time the NPR does a labor story, they talk to some actual workers and things get a little bit better. Um, and yeah, it's 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 a very small thing, you know. Blocking is not politics, but for myself, definitely, it feels it feels good to have that like easy to reach for platform back.
2: Absolutely
0: while we still have you two with us we just got a couple more minutes here and i would be i would be kicking myself later if i didn't ask you to weigh in on the the heating up uh, you know presidential race uh which you know it was a two it looked like it was like a two-man race here with biden and trump and now uh, a new challenger has appeared jesse the body ventura <laughs> oh my <as> god he's <laughs> capturing a whole bunch of headlines right now um and i find that that's that's been kind of funny because it's interesting because obviously um I'm not going to sit here and co-sign every single thing Jesse Ventura has said throughout his career or on his weird TV show or whatever. But there's a lot of clips going out around right now of him on like the view and all these different kinds of media doing these media hits and saying like getting, like saying stuff that you do not ever hear on mainstream media. And it's pretty amazing. Um, what do you think about this this kind of news story do you like is he is he even running or is he just kind of like soaking up the headlines right now or what do you, what do you make of jesse the body or Jesse the mind rather ventura <laughs> wow jesse his, the his mind running.
2: indeed um i would rather have jesse than fucking joe biden that's for sure i think has Same. he filed to run as a a, a green as of yet, or he hasn't. That's the noise he was making. I haven't been following it super closely. He's, been, he's being
1: coy about it. I think. I'm not sure. I
2: think he's like looking into it. Yeah, exactly. Dipping then a then toe into be the like waters.
1: A play at a brokered Green Party convention.
2: I know that this is like not exactly the same, but I watched. Have you guys seen Pumping Iron, the documentary yes. about yeah. Arnold? That's a classic. Oh my god! Yeah. I watched it for the first time this weekend, and my like my expectations, <laughs> while high, were totally. <laughs> Like it far exceeded them. Like my jaw dropped, and I like saw it as very much like a Rosetta Stone for like figuring out why Arnold, you know, someone um basically just famous for being like a big muscly man, uh, like could become the governor of California, and like he, he, you know, he was a Republican, but like mostly did all right at it. And I was like, it really made me think again about like dominance politics. Like he just has so much charisma and like is just able to like dom anyone, you know, like in a debate <laughs> or something. And I feel like Jesse very much has that, uh, that same energy. So, you know, maybe we need someone who can uh, dom Donald Trump god i hope some, no one i hope well, no I'm, just, one I'm, just, that. I'm
0: talking about that clip when he was being interrogated about chris kyle's widow and he's like well, do you think you should apologize he's like, she should apologize to me <laughs> and he's like trying to imagine like anyone anyone in the mainstream political figure not just like cowering in that moment and and doing yeah. some mumbling bullshit and he's just like going right after it it's just like you know what they're gonna hit him
3: on it's well it's just like wrestling ingrained on him where like they're like just physically incapable of backing down when someone puts a microphone face like what (laughs) so i i think i think it's it's strange that like anchor people interviewing him haven't learned that yet that like you you can't you're not going to be able to cow him in that in that context at all there was a
1: clip going around today that i thought was really maybe yesterday but it was really good it was when he was on the view a couple years ago and him and Elizabeth Hasselbeck were going back and forth about waterboarding. It was just like really blunt yes. and just straight to the points. Like, why haven't we waterboarded anybody other than Muslims? Like, why yeah, right. is that? Why don't
0: Why don't, don't the police waterboard uh, uh, suspects to find out what they know and stuff? I right. It? I
2: mean, no, yeah. no, yeah. Sorry, I'm um, trying
0: out my Jesse the Body f- impression for the very first good. time. It's not bad. It's not, not I feel like it's I should. have was, was a little. About this end it was time. a little Sean
3: Connery earlier, but I, I think you're You're warming into
0: it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna as we go into this process. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get that down a bit more.
2: <laughs> well, I I right. hope that you uh, you know that this continues so you just get more and more time to practice. Yeah. I'm loving it so far. He's the man. I, and uh, I hope we, I hope I hope he goes for it. If
1: right. it does take off, if if his campaign does grow into something, or if he becomes the Green Party nominee officially, um, the response from libs who are worried that there'll be some kind of uh, mass exodus and, and a third party vote for him, it will be that he ha- they'll, they'll knock him on having a show in Russia today. They're going to hit yeah. him on RT. Yeah.
0: But, but I bet if they ask him about it, he, won't, he will not allow them to to get him on that <laughs> yeah, right. at all. Oh, gonna, we, 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 true, we, can't, true. we
2: can't engage Crosby <laughs> about uh, RT. We, simply, oh, we really? simply can't go... Oh, no. We simply can't... Can't go that far. No, is I mean, you who our, said, well. RT no, no. has, has
3: been widely propagating conspiracy theories <laughs> from an explicitly pro-Russian <laughs> point of view since its inception. That's what it's for. Like, that doesn't mean that Jesse Ventura is, like, bad. Like, Jesse Ventura owns, like, all the clips of him saying things that we all know very clearly to be true um, are great. And he says them in an, in an awesome, extremely charismatic way. Like...
2: Damn, bro! It's, it's gonna blow your mind when you watch MSNBC. <laughs> yeah. but that's also because what you're saying is also propaganda
0: they're pushing. Because what you're saying is also a huge indictment of of like corporate media in the United States. Because I like I don't disagree with what you're saying about that, but it's also true that rt sometimes will air like progressive voices or or different things that just oh, don't yeah. get appearances on on cnn and mm-hmm. it, or msnbc and it would be nice if they didn't have to go to uh, russia today to do this kind of stuff but right. like they'll book people that just won't get airtime on these networks
3: yeah, yeah.
2: chris, yes, chris yes, hedges would it, never it, be because on MSNBC. it's rt is you know inherently insidious to these and sinister to these libs but well i, like, <laughs> I won't take the bait go go jesse go <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: yeah i saw someone on twitter that was like you know it's gonna be a, a presidential election um between one sexual predator another sexual predator and a goddamn sexual tyrannosaurus in from the movie predator.
2: <laughs> yeah well you know i know where my chips would fall in that uh <laughs> you know tyrannosaurus um that's alpha but yeah. al- not inherently criminal so <laughs> we have to wait and see i
3: would i would definitely take the uh it, it's like extremely out there uh conspiracy theorist over the accused uh sexual assaulter who has like no discernible politics whatsoever um and other than just like essentially being a republican so i'm, I'm comfortable with 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 saying that uh i'm not necessarily comfortable with like endorsing like you know world trade center seven theories but like you know uh yeah i mean he's right on waterboarding man All
1: right, i'll put you down as a maybe on the
2: <laughs> you know willing willing to listen yeah yeah well let's hear him out you at least
0: hear him out yeah there
1: we go
2: you're a swing voter thank you
1: both so much for coming on we really appreciate it
2: yeah thanks for having us um you know follow along at discourse blog and maybe we can you know like pop a subscription link into i don't know if you guys do that yep. for your uh, yeah of yep, course yeah descriptions i can send that to you guys but yeah this was great thank you so much for having us of course our pleasure
3: yep. really fun I mean,
2: guys where can thanks. people
1: well, no, where, where can people find uh both of your stuff um online other than discourse
2: well i'm not I'm mostly like editing features at L.com. So if you want to read my stuff, it is just at discourse blog basically at the moment.
3: Um, yeah, I freelance all over the place. Um, my Twitter is uh, jscroz, JSCros. Um, I've been doing a little bit of political writing for Rolling Stone lately. Um, their editor's pretty good um, and yeah, has been really supportive of the same kind of like uh, Splinter. X splinter points of view um and doing good like critical reporting from that from that perspective um and yeah otherwise it's 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 all discourse blog at the moment
2: yeah yeah I guess people could follow me on Twitter too that's probably <laughs> where I write the most sadly same but yeah excited, excited to keep digging in at the discourse.
0: Well, we're excited to to read it and see where that goes. And uh, Jack and Kath, thank you so much for joining us. We'll we'll catch you later. Thanks, Rob.
2: Thank you so much. See you online.
0: Thank you for listening to The Insurgents. Please remember to subscribe over at theinsurgents.substack.com. Find the podcast on all your favorite podcast apps. And please remember to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's very helpful and we appreciate it a lot. But please, again... Don't mention Ken Klippenstein in the review. He is banned from the show. It's a lifetime ban, so please do not mention him in the review. And we'll be back later this week with more of the content that you know and love. Goodbye.